WABC Radio is proud to celebrate 100 years. From October 1st, 1921, to music radio, to talk radio's crown jewel, worldwide and beyond. And WLIRFM Hampton Bays. From around the world to around the block, this is a WABC Weekend News Update. Hello, I'm Frank Diaz. The White House says President Joe Biden this week signed an executive order on implementation of the $52.7 billion semiconductor chips manufacturing subsidy and research law. Earlier this month, Biden signed the bill to boost efforts to make the United States more competitive with China's science and technology efforts by subsidizing U.S. chip manufacturing and expanding research funding. The law aims to alleviate a persistent shortage that has affected everything from cars and weapons to washing machines and video games. The Chips and Science Law also includes an investment tax credit for chip plants estimated to be worth $24 billion. The White House said the Commerce Department launched Chips.gov. The department will make funding awards for chips production. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo said the department has been preparing for months for the program. Well, a new step ink may contain toxic cancer-causing chemicals. Scientists at the State University of New York found that nearly half of a 56 sample of tattoo inks they invent azo compounds, which degenerate under ultraviolet light, emitted in sunlight into cancer-causing chemicals. Many also contain particles below 100 nanometers in size, which they said could get into a cell's nucleus and trigger cancerous mutations. Researchers say that the tattoo industry is largely unmonitored in the United States, despite up to three in ten Americans having one. In Europe, blue and green pigments have now been outlawed over concerns they could cause cancer. Someone getting a tattoo is already at risk of a bacterial infection because the skin is breached or contracting a blood-borne disease, like hepatitis B and C, if equipment is not cleaned properly. To hear news like this and more, visit WABCRadio.com or download the 77 WABC app. For 77 WABC News, I'm Frank Diaz. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. This is not my music. Oh, God. This isn't mine either, but who, who can complain about the Dewey Brothers? Oh, God. I'm ready to impale myself with this microphone. Coming out of the hot, sweltering heat, the humidity. Coming from Sunset Park, Bensonhurst. The end train just crawling and crawling and crawling along. Man. You gotta put some. You gotta put some vibe in this music. But you see, here. here's what I don't think. You see, Curtis, you do that amazing overnight show that's getting such great ratings. You have a different. You need a certain amount of energy to get through that long ship. Here, we're kind of Saturday afternoon. Oh. People are watching their cars. They're getting ready for the old timers game out at City Field. They're relaxed. This is Dewey, Dewey Brothers is perfect Saturday afternoon music. Oh, that's right. 
a transition in the afternoon. You just sit back and max and relax. Meantime, I've got to keep you up to the you, break of dawn. Exactly. Six straight hours. You need musical crack to keep everyone That's going. Right. <laughs> and I give it to them. Well, I noticed you covered a panoply of different subjects in your first hour in the middle. Obviously, the bulk of that, I think, uh, in just listening to the response, was about the student loans. Uh, one quick thing on that. When all of a sudden subprime mortgage came around and both sides were taking advantage of the, that, that almost impaled the whole world's economy, we bailed out a hell of a lot of businesses, Fortune 500 companies, banks, hedge fund monsters, gave them money with no interest, said, oh, you know, we can't let you go under. Hundreds of them are too big to fail. You, you and I, we're too small to bail out. But, uh, yeah, I actually, I, I made that point. I made it. And look, and I also made the point, if you're just going to look at government programs and say, wait a minute, I'm not getting it. Why should that guy get it? Well, that's a lot of programs. Like we here in New York City, and I made this point on the middle, we here in New York City, we ask for help with subways when no one gets aid for subways. We asked for help in Hurricane Sandy when we were kind of isolated, and people said, why should we bail you out? Every government, but my view, my bias is if you're going to bail someone out, it should be middle-class families, people who have had it rough. That's 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 who I think should get the money. So not hedge fund monsters, not right. big bankers, not right. Fortune 500 companies. And you know who's next in line to get bailed out? The Bitcoin bandits, yeah, right. the cryptocurrency Ponzi scammers, and everybody who is saying, oh, this is the future. Just don't regulate us. Let us make money and don't worry about it. Don't worry. Hey. Right. right. Just, just go out and listen to the Doobie Brothers, right? Exactly. Exactly. Now, now, the one thing I noticed you didn't touch on, and you touched on so many subjects, was the FBI. And I've heard all week uh, amongst our colleagues and the callers, the FBI politically corrupt, you know, taking sides politically. And I'm scratching my head since the Bureau first began. I can't remember a time where they weren't political. I've always been political. I remember in the midst of Watergate, which was probably the worst political crisis we've ever gone through, at least in my lifetime, I'm sure in your lifetime, in which you had Richard Nixon, who uh, actually reached out to the CIA because Hoover wasn't cooperating enough in giving him wiretaps that he wanted. Uh, and his own attorney general, John Mitchell, first attorney general ever to go to jail because he was taking the FBI notes and giving them right to the Nixon administration so they could see where the investigation was leading. Yeah, but you know, but all, isn't all law enforcement political? How many times have maybe, you know, someone gotten away with someone because they knew the police chief or someone gotten away with someone because they flashed a PBA card or someone got away with something because they were, you know, they were better connected than someone else? The thing about this, and, and I, I, I told you this and I've said it on the air, but I should I should remind listeners – I try to stay away from talking about the former president because I'm trying to invite people to have a conversation in the middle. Yes. Start talking about Trump, people get a little bonkers. Well, we can talk about J. Edgar Hoover. Right. But, the, but I mean, can I just ask you one question? Yes. If you had top secret materials at your home, yes. you'd get prosecuted. Um, depends. No. You would never find them in all my clutter, That's Anthony. Right. That's right. The, the FBI you have, would have to spend days going through all my clutter. 211 guard cats around them. <laughs> well, not only the cats. Remember. I collect old newspapers. Yeah, right. I'm like the Collier's brothers. Yeah. The FBI agents would be in danger of piles collapsing on them, and they'd have to be extricated right. from the piles. 
And there's no jury in the land that would think you actually knew what was in the pot. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the biggest clutterer I ever met was Joe Franklin. Remember yeah. Joe Franklin, radio, WOR, yeah. TV, he, he multitasked. I visited his office one time. Oh, my God. I thought I had a clutter problem. Clutter from decades. And somebody called up because, you know, this was like uh, the Friars Club. You know, you always work yeah. in the telephones. And they wanted something, and he put his arm deep in some pile way in the back, and he pulled it out. He knew yeah. where everything was. Yeah, yeah. He There's a famous picture, I think it was in the New York Times, of him at his desk where he's on the phone, and the cord seems like it's coming out of the papers. Yeah. You can't even see the phone in the pile. Yeah, he, he was a hoarder. He was a hoarder as well. But, but yeah, you're right. Like the, the FBI, like any other branch of government, has some political elements. Now, there are traditions around not telling the FBI what to do, like, you know, letting them go do their own thing. But there is no doubt that as the law enforcement agency that, you know, works theoretically for the president, um, there's going to be some political considerations. And by the way, there's political considerations in prosecutors' offices, too, about what they're going to prosecute and what they're not. I'll give you an example. When, when Elliot Spitzer had his scandal, one of the things that he was doing was structuring these transactions to the people, these women of the night he was seeing to avoid the to avoid requirements that he be noted that there's notifications. There's something called the Man Act or something like that. But just the the prosecutor said, ah, he's resigned. He's been embarrassed. He's been humiliated. We're not going to prosecute. I come up my case. We went to them and we argued. He said, listen, give us the Spitzer treatment because, yeah, I mean, I'm humiliated. I've lost my job, my family, my job, whatever it is. And the and the politics of the moment were no, we got to prosecute you. So yeah, these things these things do. Now I tell you though, in this situation that we're seeing, we're all becoming experts in the legal process. We all know what an affidavit is. We all know what a search warrant is. And if you read this stuff, one of the reasons I argued on my show last week, I don't want any of this stuff to be released because I didn't think it'd be fair to just have one hand clapping. That all you see is the prosecution case. You don't see the defense case. But in this case. The affidavit, they included all of the things that, that Trump's lawyers were saying. They said, here's the other side of the argument, and, and they submitted the letter, submitted the statements from the, from the lawyer on the other side. So it does seem like this looks pretty bad for the president's case. Well, actually, I agree with uh, what Alan Dershowitz, uh, his uh, uh, conclusion is, and I almost never agree with Alan Dershowitz, almost never. He said, look, yeah, you can indict uh, uh, Trump on this. There's no doubt about it. You bring it before a grand jury in Washington, D.C., he's cooked. Uh, he's he's going to be indicted. But the question is, over what? Why do you want to create such chaos? If you have all the materials back and you're never really going to tell us what was so super top secret there that required you to bum rush Mar-a-Lago and send in the uh, FBI and SWAT teams to back him up, and just leave it be. Well, I don't think it's going to. I don't think there's going to be a prosecution. So it was just to get the materials back. Look, it, what do you mean just? These, I mean, you've read in the newspaper. You read what these documents are, what they're alleged to have been, and they're sitting basically people going in and out of these rooms. With newspapers, newspapers, and no photographs. You know, he's another of, clutterer. This is, uh, former yeah, this President is, Trump. Every newspaper he's ever been in, he's like me, old style. He cuts it out. Yeah, he yeah. puts it in a file. I mean, but I think there's a very good chance. Remember. The search, the search publicized by the president, the petition to have this affidavit released by the president's people. 
I mean, I think there's a very good chance that there is not anymore. I mean, I think they wanted to get this stuff back. Now, all that being said, what's the argument on the other side? The argument is that you can't do what he did was illegal and wrong. and He shouldn't have done it. And he was holding on to it for some reason. And whatever the reason is, is irrelevant. And what I, I said what I meant, if I were found with these papers, if Rich were found with these papers, if Pete were found with these papers, we'd be in, we'd be prosecuted. What's the argument for not if, if he did it? Little people always get prosecuted. <laughs> but a Trump, a Hillary, anyone at that level, they're not going to get prosecuted. It's just not going to happen. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's right. I mean, listen, we definitely got to prosecute Pete because he's running a numbers of racket course, or whatever he's course. doing. But, um, but I look, I think, and I, I'm sticking to this position. Let's see what happens in court where the president has a chance to make his case, where the prosecution makes their case. The prosecution has all the cards. They have all the influence now. They get to say stuff. Well, I got to tell you this. Uh, whether it was planned or not planned, a spur of the moment, or it's been planned for weeks and months, uh, it actually benefited the uh, Democrats tenfold because now nobody's talking about what the Republicans were hammering the Biden administration about, the domestic issues. And so the Democrats have actually uh, resurrected Donald Trump to the point where he will be anointed the candidate as long as he's alive and he's well. And that's exactly what the Democrats want. They want to run against Donald Trump. They know they can beat Donald Trump in the presidential election they want Donald Trump. They won't say that. But my gut reaction is they've done the numbers, and they know they can beat Donald Trump again. Well, we we only know one person that Biden has been able to beat in all the elections that he's run for president, <laughs> and, that's, and that's Donald Trump. I mean, there is this devil that you know is better than the devil that you don't. But you're right about something. I talked about this at the end. The Republicans have succeeded in having the issues dominate the news that are ones they don't want. Abortion. They don't want to talk about that. Concern about our democracy. Donald Trump. And I tell you, even this Ron DeSantis character, you know, talking about these culture war things, I think moderate, middle of the road Democrats and Republicans who are trying to decide who they want to turn the keys over to, who might be willing to make a change, are not. There's not a compelling well, I, argument. I right think now. they'd much rather have it from DeSantis and Trump. Trump is the one they used to. They know his ups and downs, his manic depression. They know he can move in a thousand different directions. They don't see De- DeSantis as that. They see DeSantis as being very focused. Now, they may not like his politics, but I think they would much prefer to have him uh, potentially as the president than a Donald Trump. Donald well, Trump, I think that's Democrats right. and a lot of independents would say absolutely not. They'd rather have anybody but Donald Trump. That's probably president. right. I mean, it's it's the it's the whole the backup quarterback phenomenon. Everyone loves the backup quarterback till he gets exactly. in the game. But <laughs> But before we even get to the presidential election of 24, let's take a look. In 22, we're going to have this, and I think the Republicans are going to take over the House, but it's going to be a much narrower margin we thought. You and oh, I, I agree. You and I were talking about back in February and March about this being a, a, a red wave. Can you imagine how difficult it's going to be for the Republicans to get anything done when they have a narrow majority and about 20% of their caucus is wackadoo and – And they're going to be going into 24. What's Biden going to say? 
you need adult supervision. Just what Obama wound up saying when his re-election. You need adult supervision well, around we'll have, Or we'll have a reverse hearings of everything that we're seeing now on January 6th. Right. There'll be the reverse hearings with the Republicans in charge, and it'll be showtime. Every day it'll be showtime. Another, that's exactly right, another, you know, Benghazi, another Hunter Biden. And that's why if, if I were giving advice to the Republicans, I'd say, listen, you're not in primary mode now. Now you've got – it's funny. The the uh, guy that won the nomination for secretary of state in Arkansas, which is the office that decides elections, that yes. gets the – he – the day after the election, his his banners on his Twitter – his Twitter headline was his endorsement and picture with Donald Trump. The day after, there's not even a mention of Trump anywhere on his website anymore because he's no dummy. He knows that that – what gets you a winning hand in the primaries – is not where the country is right now, and I think the Republicans are learning that, and let's see if they learn it fast enough. call it the Virginia factor. Yeah. The Virginia factor. That's exactly what happened in Virginia. Uh, The candidate distanced himself from Trump. He was respectful, but he distanced himself from Trump, and he ended up winning the governorship, and he's got a great national profile, a great national future, because, you know, uh, this term limits uh, in Virginia. So he could go a lot of places. I just think it's time for both sides, fresh faces to emerge. I think people are tired of Trump on one side, Biden on the other side. It's time for a whole new generation. We need fresh faces. We need Hillary Clinton. No, 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 please. Uh, Keep her out there in Chappaqua, the whitest (laughs) suburb in America, where even the lawn jockeys are white. Make sure she has a double latte. She walks into the forest area and channels with Eleanor Roosevelt and does her podcast. A fresh face for America, Hillary Clinton in 24. Oh, my God, Anthony, please. (laughs) Fresh faces, I said. Let let them write, write their memoirs, do their podcasts. Enough. You got a whole new generation. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, look, DeSantis is clearly pounding away at the base, pounding away at the base, doing these cultures, doing everything possible, taking on um, a Fauci, doing all of this stuff. I think it is a path to, to make you the nominee of the Republican Party and then lose the election. That's my view. But, uh, but, we'll see. but, but right now in the midterms, you cannot – things could not be going worse. The latest dump of data from the Alaska race, which is this crazy uh, um, thing that coming in very slowly because it comes to such a big state, Alaska. Now the Democrat has moved ahead ever so slightly. I still think Palin pulls it out. But if that's a flip, then you've got New York 19, which was supposed to be a pl- the first test of the of the red wave. You really are seeing some, some troubling. And the Senate candidates, the Republicans, could not have chosen a worse cast of characters. seems like every one of them is – Having is making mistakes and is is having to they're they're pulling funding. They just announced they're pulling funding out of, out of Arizona to put it into Ohio, which shouldn't have even been a problem for them. So they're they're struggling, and I think that they need to recalibrate how they're doing things. You mean you're not impressed with Doctor Oz? Doctor Oz, he is a he has been a train wreck, and I mean your is, candidate is out of the ICU. He's having a tough time when he does have public statements. Even getting the words out. He's he definitely suffering the effects of that stroke. He doesn't sound great, but how does Oz capitalize on it? <laughs> Criticizes the guy for having steak instead of a salad. I can't understand the thinking. Um, and wait, just, you know. Wait. I was not at this meeting that Dr. Oz initially had. This is when he was first trying to assess and get money together. And apparently uh, at a meeting, uh, not far from this studio here, <laughs> He chastised one of the donors as they were putting a piece of meat in their mouth. He, he's like your mother, you know, ready to take the meat <laughs> right out of your mouth. 
I think that guy's check bounced to Dr. Oz, but you're right. He's he's not ready for prime time yet. He'll get seasoned. Herschel Walker. My God. Herschel is another one. And by the way, the thing that frustrates me out of Herschel Walker is the Republicans are doing exactly what they criticize the Democrats for doing. Why is Herschel Walker their nominee? Because he's black. That's the only reason, right? There's no way he's the best possible candidate. Oh, but he's Mr. Georgia. Even when well, I was in I'm, Northern I'm, I'm, Florida. But, but let's face it. Let's face it. If he was a, a tight end on yeah, the Bulldogs yeah, yeah. and he wasn't black and whatever. And he has been put out there as a candidate but, for but state notice, He is just not ready. Notice, Herschel does not want to debate. He'll get killed. And Oz wants 29 debates because he knows the he lieutenant governor is impaired. He probably is not going to be able to get through uh, an hour or 90 minutes without slurring or having a physical also, setback. Also, Oz has to do anything possible to change whatever the mojo is in this race. Um, and it's, look, Vance in 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 uh, in Ohio is also supposed to be a, 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 a runaway, and he hasn't been. This guy, Masters in Arizona, they're pulling the money yeah, but the, out. The, the guy in Pennsylvania with the hoodie. You know, he looks like uh, Eminem, uh, Slim Shady, the I hoodie. Did, yeah. I mean, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, this guy, Fetterman, he wears a hoodie and, and cargo shorts everywhere. Which are Even like, though he's an Ivy League guy, right? But he tries right. he's got to. Tattoos. He's got tattoos. He's, he's got an idea what it takes to get elected in that state. I will tell you, although I couldn't agree with any of his politics, the fact the guy just had a stroke and he's still getting out there, and you can see he's struggling. Uh, he's going to have to debate. He's going to have to debate at right. least once. And, boy, all eyes are going to be on that debate. I think that's right. But also, you, you say he got back out there. A month and a half later, because he's like, why do I need to get out there? Right? This guy's doing fine. Oz is doing fine. Shooting <laughs> well, himself it's like in the Biden. Foot. When Biden is not out there, yeah, yeah, exactly. his numbers go up. Exactly. The moment he speaks, yeah. his numbers go down. <laughs> anyway, it's left versus right. If you missed Anthony Weiner in the middle, every Saturday from 2 to 3, you can catch up on it on the podcast at WABCradio.com. And remember, I think today... It's the uh, documentary audio special on our owner-operator and great talk show host in his own right, John Katsimatidis. I will be critiquing that from 4 to 5 and coming back with my own version on the other side of midnight from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning when I take you to the break of dawn. The left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Hmm. Okay. Oh, man. Sponsored by No Dose. I understand why you want laid back music in the afternoon, but this is like, this is dullard music. Oh, oh wait, man. Hold on, Plus, hold I on. don't even understand what the hell the guy is saying. Oh, the invasion. This must be the guys getting off the Greyhound buses this morning. The illegals. We what were, the hell is this? Have they taken I, over already? I don't, it could be. It could be. Marana, my. 
Oh, God. This is Bad Bunny. Puerto Ricano. He's an American. This is fine. This is fine as far as it goes. But, I mean, Rich, I need something to work with here. I'm going to defend your choices each week. I need something to work with Well, here. because he's going to have a concert in Yankee Stadium. See, that's the perfect lead-in. Now he's a yes. big movie star. He's a big Bad deal. Bunny. Yeah. He's going to fill up Yankee Stadium with all the Boricuas because he's Mr. Puerto Rico. By the way, he had a concert in San Juan in the middle of COVID. Became the biggest COVID spreader of all. You know, we didn't. Oh, yeah. Oh, all the island ended up with COVID as a result of the Bad Bunny concert. But speaking of Yankee Stadium, um, I really hate this Yankee Stadium. It's the house that Aroid and Jeter built. It's just nothing but a mall. I saw Randy Levine downstairs from the studios the other day. He's president of the Yankees, former deputy mayor for Rudy Giuliani. I, I mean, I'm at odds with this guy. He couldn't be nicer to me. I, I don't know. He's trying to, he's trying to offset me. He, I, he couldn't be nicer. That's frequently the way it is. We hold resentments, and the other guys like what? He's fine. I, I like you, Curtis. You're you're. But what is it? Did you go to the Subway Series this year, or no. you, you refuse no, to set no, foot no, in boy, Yankee Stadium? I'm boycotting. I'm really boy. I, I'm really starting to be a, a Yankee hater. Uh, I just don't like. I, I don't like the vibe. Although I want to compliment. Uh, the New York Mets for helping us get back on track because we were nosediving. We were crashing and burning. And all of a sudden, the Subway Series, it, like, woke us up. Yeah, it was great. What, what, what happened? It was, first, it was a great game. It was a great game. A lot of 4-2 games with, with the, these. I think they were. Anyway, uh, I was up there in, in Section 422. Wait, wait. I, that's the nosebleed yeah. section. And uh, got a little heckled. Oh, Weeder. Jordan was like, Dad, what's that drunk guy sound? Yeah, that happens. That's, that's our name, pal. Let's, you know, get this used to it. This ain't the U.S. Open. That, this exactly. This is, this is not the U.S. Open. A great crowd. I read that it was the biggest crowd since 2013. It was a really great crowd. But I have a question. I don't know if you're going to – first of all, you want to hear a funny thing? This is like uh, – this. Is, I would lose votes over this. I'm meeting my brother there and his family. I say, I'll meet you at the bat. Oh, yeah. The bat hasn't been there since – the bat's not there anymore. No. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm like, I must have been the Louisville you. Slugger. There's, huh. there's no, it's over by some other park. I'm exactly. like, I almost, I almost met him out wow, by Wow, that's a field. long yeah, time. Yeah, I am not. I am not. But here's the other thing. So I found in my closet uh, a baseball cap signed, a Yankee hat signed by Joe Torre in 1986. Merry Christmas, 1986. Wow. And it, I think a friend of mine used to work. You remember Ponty's on the far west side, Philly yeah. Ponty's? That was a big hangout for them. Damn right, Tory and uh, his uh, coach, uh, who were degenerate gamblers. Uh, Zimmer, yeah. maybe, yeah. And so he was down there and signed a whole bunch. I got one. It was been, it's been sitting in my closet ever since. So Jordan was at the stadium with a signed Joe Tory hat. Joe Tory, former manager of the Mets, as you know, of course, um, uh, when he couldn't even break five hundred with the Italian stallion Lee Mazzilli. Correct. Correct. But it was a really great and exciting year, and I'm excited that they're going to have uh, Old Timers Day back at real Old Timers, not what the Yankees did. Oh, my God, a that was a disgrace what the Yankees did. Yeah, it really was. And by the way, did you see last weekend they honored Paul O'Neill, great Yankee, you know, just full of energy, full of spit. You know, it's, it's the way you want ball players to be, totally into it. But because, you know, he does the broadcast as part of the uh, crew, the broadcasting crew, you have Michael Kay, you have Coney, and you have um, O'Neill. O'Neill does it from his home. Yeah, you told me. Because he's not vaccinated. Yeah. So here he comes out, 
He comes out to the pitcher's mound. None of the Yankees are permitted to come yeah, out. Near him, the yeah. active Yankees come out of the dugout to <laughs> meet and greet him because he's not vaccinated. Get over it already. Look at Kyrie Irving, right? He was he was not vaccinated. He played. This is nuts. By the way, you know there's a lawsuit that is uh, it's winding its way through the courts and may wind up at the Supreme Court arguing that because you gave Kyrie Irving that exception yes. that Joe Joe EMS worker whoever's bringing the suit um is is entitled to be compensated. Well, look, there are 70 uh firefighters who have been given their final notice cuz they won't get back. Uh their exemption was not accepted uh by Labor Day. They're gone. And so the UFA is appealing again and saying to the mayor, it's over. Stop. Yeah. Stop. We need cops, firefighters. We're losing them through uh, massive attrition. Yeah, I mean, basically the culture war on this is over, like if everyone's going back to school and everything else. But it's good to have Old Timers Day back. I think this is another benefit of having a gazillionaire own your club. It's probably a big production that they have to do to get it on. A lot of now a lot will the of, Italian stallion be there? You know, I the, don't it, remember. I know Franco is going to be there. Yeah, but the hero of all Met fans now. Whenever I see Met fans, the one throwback jersey I always see is Piazza. Piazza. I Piazza. don't know Piazza. Piazza and Mazzilli, I don't like Mazzilli was Mazzilli was everyone's hero. Yes, because he was the only good player during a really difficult period. Really bad. Period. I mean, it was a really bad period. Um, but long story short, great crowd at Yankee Stadium. I'm going to say 70-30, maybe 60-40 Mets and Yankee fans. Did you walk around, though? A little bit. That's just nothing but a mall. It's not a great – It's, it's not, not but, a baseball But part. it's very different up in the 400 seats because then they're just, you know, they, they don't have the fancier stuff. No, no, I know, there. but still, when you walk around, because yeah. I always like to walk around. But here's a question I don't know the answer to. Why is there a big scoreboard advertisement for Hess when Hess has not been around for years? Wow. Why is there one for Motorola, some Motorola phone that hasn't been around? Can they, are they just, do well, they Mo- make lifetime Motorola, deals Motorola or burner phones, you know, when yeah. you got the Gumata. Yeah, yeah, a lot exactly. of guys in that crowd uh, Goumata but I, I couldn't figure that. out why Hess is still out there. No, you're right. There's no Hess, Hess gas station. Yeah. Oh, maybe for the trucks, the toy trucks. Yeah, for that's Christmas. the only thing that's left. <laughs> that's the only thing well, that's left. You know, the uh, the refineries are still there along routes one and nine, and the Jersey Turnpike. When you go through the cancer valley, the Valley of Cancer, yeah, yeah. There, right near the Newark uh, Airport. But you're right. I never thought of that. Why would the big sign? It must so- be. It must be one of two things. One, either they. Physically can't figure out how to change these now. There's no company that does them anymore, makes those scoreboard things. Or two, has signed a lifetime deal, and so they get it their lifetime whether they exist or not. forever. Yeah, perpetuity. Yeah, I guess so. I don't so know. So you liked the ambiance of the new Yankee Stadium. I like being updated. Yeah, you know, and I mentioned this earlier. When you're an elected official or a muckety-muck like you, you can call up the front office you always have to pay for the tickets. I mean, that's a mythology that people yeah. get stuff for free. Uh, David Patterson found that out the hard yeah, way. Yeah, you got to pay. But you got nice tickets, and you're with a lot of suits. When you're up in Section 422 and drunk guys yelling wiener, wiener <laughs> at you, you know, it's a very different well, vibe. it reminds me. 2000 Yankees-Mets, we beat you 4-1 yeah. World Series. I was up in the nosebleed section way out in right field where we lost. That was the one World Series game we lost here. Right. 
And people were like screaming at me, what the hell are you doing here? You're a Yankee fan, man. This ain't your house. This is our house. And then the, the F-bombs were being thrown fast and furious. But that makes you love it. Unlike the U.S. Open now. Oh, sir, can I have a slice of quiche for $48.50? Yeah. And then you're not permitted to yell. You're not permitted yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, the, the the players are like turning to the, you know, when anyone makes any noise, they're complaining and gesturing and like being oh outraged. Oh, God, you're not permitted. It's like being yeah. at, at a golf tournament. You can't make a comment. They'll throw you out. At least in baseball, you still have freedom of speech. The most embarrassing moment for me, because I loved Mickey Mantle, even though he was a total degenerate. My father, Chicago White Sox fan, merchant seaman, he says, Kit, because he'd be home four months, we're going to go to Yankee Stadium. The Sox are in. And the White Sox back then in the 60s, very good team. No power hitting. Punch and Judy hitters, great pitching. So we're way up in the nosebleed section in right field. Mickey comes up, you know, with that gate. Everybody's applauding. My father, boo, he's a bum, he's a bum. (laughs) Everybody's looking at me. Man, we feel sorry for you, kid. What's wrong with your father? Well, he's a Chicago White Sox fan. He was like the only one there. It was so humiliating. But my dad was right. I met him one time, total degenerate. I met Joe DiMaggio in my lifetime, nasty person. I met Willie Mays up in Riverdale, nasty person. I said, these guys were like Greek gods. Why were they so miserable? Yeah, Mantle would... He was sure, you know, Mickey Mantle's, which on, on what, Fifth Avenue in the 50s, I Central guess. Central Park South. Central Park South. He would sometimes be there and. and Drunk. Con- right. Constantly making little gossip item mentions of him, him being not. not kids oh, not want autographs. Get out of here, yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, Willie yeah. Mays the same thing. Get out of here, kid. Yeah. Uh, Joe DiMaggio wouldn't even acknowledge you. You're a person in no uh, country. By the way, you want to buy a Mr. Coffee machine? Yeah. So what these guys were beyond superstars. They were like Greek gods. I've never seen three more miserable people Is in my true? life. Yeah. But there, I got to say, and the, the Yankees, look, I'm a Mets fan. I don't like, I like the, 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 the Mets and anyone playing against the Yankees. There's there's some there's some guys on that team that are tough to root against. I mean, not Aaron Judge. Jordan loves Aaron Judge. I mean, it, it's fine. It's it's fine. I mean, I, no, I it's would, not. I don't, would no, love, don't, no, he's got to be a hater. I would love. Well, why does he support the Yankees, Jordan? Just because he knows it pisses me off. Ah, that's right. That's the only reason. That's right. In fact, there are many father-son combinations. Frank Morano's father, Yankee fan. Frank Morano, Met fan. Yeah. As a result. Yeah, there's a great story about John Gotti Sr. He comes back from prison, right? They were living in Canarsie at that time. Not far from me. He walks into John Gotti Jr.'s room. He's got all Mets stuff on the wall. He goes, kid, I'm a Yankee fan. Then he walks out. <laughs> that was it. That's all it does. Son goes, I better rip everything yeah. down and put up the Yankees. I'm going to get whacked for the, wor- <laughs> for the worst reason. <laughs> but, I, you know, I tell you, here's where it started with, with Jordan. Me and my brother Jason would joust with each other. And... Jay, Jordan loved to see my brother Jason get the better of me. Like, he liked that power dynamic. So he was like, I'm on Team Yankee. Like, he, he, uh. but, um, and, and, but this was, he came back from camp being more into baseball than when he left, which, is, which makes me happy. And so he's learning baseball a little bit. And he saw a great game. I mean, like, going to a, going to a, a full house game, a, a rivalry game that was right down to the final pitch. That was a great game for him to see, um, and uh, hopefully he'll want to do more. But up next, the game of politics as we're moving locally towards November 8th. Hochul versus uh, Congressman uh, Zeldin. 
And uh, joining him this weekend in Oyster Bay tomorrow will be Governor DeSantis in Florida to help him raise some moolah moolah. Mm-hmm. It's left versus right. Anthony Weiner, yours truly, Curtis Lee. If you missed any of Anthony's solo program, two to three in the middle, just go to wabcradio.com for all your podcasting needs and your podcast that you put up every week, which is like a blueprint for what might Keys improve to the, the city. city. Keys to the city. Mike Bloomberg gave me the keys to the city one time. And I don't think I ever gave him back. <laughs> Cuff noogies blew me. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. <laughs> Yeah, Rose. All right, now we're talking about it. Do it, do it. Come on, raise the roof. It's time to party hardy. We got to follow in the footsteps of the swagger man, Eric Adams, who has no plan, who likes to sample the nightlife, as he says. But anyway, Anthony Weiner, better talk about this coming gubernatorial election on November 8th. Uh, turnout was dismal for both primaries, uh, the one in June and obviously the one we just had. Really, really bad. By the way, before we go into this, you know who's been on the radio recently is very good is Andrew Giuliani. Oh, yes. He's very good at this. Absolutely. He's, he's uh, uh, natural. A natural. He's yeah, no, he, he really is good. And I think that his start, you know, there you can win by losing like in 2005. When I came in a close second and I decided not to contest the runoff, I kind of won by losing. People kind of said, oh, that was a real classy good thing to do. I think he did very well in this race because uh, he didn't get involved in a lot of the jousting back and forth. He was supportive of Zeldin, you know, as, as, as soon as it ended. But he wanted doing very well. But I got to tell you, I, I don't know what Zeldin is thinking in this race. Well, I will tell you, the benefit to Andrew Giuliani is when they were first sparring. And he was forced to be in the Zoom box because he wasn't vaccinated. Mm -hmm. That the three of them, uh, as you know, you had Zeldin, who was ahead in the polls, and then you had Astorino, and you had uh, Wilson. Uh, They were like three scorpions in a brandy glass. And very wisely, Andrew stayed out of the fray. He took the example that I told him early on. I said, you know, years before, I think you were even birthed, Andrew. There was the run for the U.S. Senate Democratic nomination. You had Bobby Abrams, you had uh, Ferrara, who had been uh, running for vice president, you had Liz Holzman, and you had Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton, he didn't say anything. He came out of that every, wow, Al Sharpton, I'm looking at him in a different way. Because he let the three of them fight it out. Naturally, none of them were going to attack him. He was the black guy on the stage. And his whole status was elevated after that. Yeah. Also, I think Andrew, to his credit, Low, relatively low expectations, but he seemed to have a pl- he seemed to have a strategy. Like he showed that yeah. he, what he was trying to achieve, and and that is to be the person that when everyone stops yelling and screaming, they say, "Hey, that guy seems like a solid a solid candidate." Zeldin, though, I mean, my and I want to hear what you, what you have to say. In, my critique of Zeldin is once he is done saying crime and Hokel stinks. He does not have a real affirmative message for swingy voters in New York that you need to get if you're a Republican. Like you understood the math when you ran for mayor. Sure. Right? You cannot be a national Republican lockstep kind of guy. No. You have to show that you understand what kind of state this is. And he has not done a good job. And I don't think 
having DeSantis come to town does anything to help. It might help him raise some money, but I don't think it helps him at all in terms of telling moderate voters in New York of both parties they have some place to well, go if they're not happy with it. You voting. know it's going to be a sprint to November 8th. And because the uh, primary was exhaustive in a lot of ways, including money, because when Wilson came in, he dumped millions of dollars and Zeldin had to match it because it was starting to hurt Zeldin upstate. So he was depleted. So now you look at the war chest that Kathy Hochul has. He got $17 million. Uh, Look at Zeldin. He only got $2 million. So he's going to have to do a fundraiser in New Jersey at uh, the Trump Club. Uh, where Trump is going to be there, and he's going to do this fundraiser in Oyster Bay, DeSantis, which will help him raise the money. Because you know, without the money, he's not going to be able to compete at all. He's just going to get overwhelmed. Now, uh, it will target him as a Trump-DeSantis Republican, which doesn't necessarily help in New York State. But I think, um, and I've observed your elections, I've observed a lot of elections before I actually put my own toe in the political uh, uh, an election, if there are three issues, right, three issues, that's a lot of issues. Two issues, good election, a better election if there's one issue. And I think he's got the law and order issue because Hochul is just all over the map. What he's got to do is define two other issues to impress the independent voters because without the independent voters, he cannot beat Hochul. Right, and I think, apropos of that, it needs to be some kind of a specific, substantive-sounding thing like, you know, a tax plan that's got very specific numbers in it, or even something on immigration, or something that shows that he's not just the alternative to look. Anyone who is upset with crime who doesn't like Hochul is going to vote for him. That's that's he needs to figure out a way. In order to win in this state, you have to grow in some appreciable way. Maybe something that um, maybe something that is persuasive to Latino voters, let's say, because they are showing a tendency to vote more Republican. But right now, the strategy seems to be crime, 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 crime all the time, which is an issue. There's no doubt about it. Not just here, but throughout the state. But even that, I would say to him, bring something specific to the table, something like, you know, the cops program in the 1990s. You know, I'm going to I'm going to give grants to every city to be able to hire 15 percent more cops than they already have in every neighborhood or something like that. something like that. But I think, you know, Anthony, having been in many battles yourself, people don't really start focusing on this uh, race until after Labor Day. Then they're starting to pay more and more attention. You look, there's been so much politics because of the election in June, the election in August, dismal turnouts, dismal participation. So I think now it's going to ramp up because it is the midterms, because both sides are looking at the midterms as being really critical. So I think Zeldin will benefit from this, but he's got to get the hook into the independence. You know Hochul's going to clobber him on Roe v. Wade, uh, Second Amendment here. Upstate, he's, it's going to be all red. It's a Second Amendment state. If you cut off New York City from the rest of the state, it's a red state. Yeah, but I, I tell you, that New York 19 race should give people like, like Zeldin real applause. You know, if, if you're, you know, because that's the kind of race that, you know, that was, that guy was doing it right. Molinaro was doing it right, focusing on inflation, so focusing on Biden, focusing on, ta- on, ga- on gas and things like that. He was running of not, he wasn't talking about Trump, he wasn't talking about election denial or any of that other stuff, and he still lost. Yeah, but I think uh, if you know Molinaro, when he ran against Cuomo, right, and he did not vote for Trump. And remember, Cuomo said, you're nothing but a mini-Trump, and he stayed quiet. He could have easily said, I didn't vote for Trump. Yeah. You know, he 
he it almost at times he's like a deer staring in the headlights. Now, I know as a Reform Party chairman, I supported Malinaro. And guess what? We lost the party as a result of that. We didn't get the threshold of votes. Yeah. He, he is a person where you look at him, a nice guy, but you say, what the hell does he stand for? Look, the guy was attacking Ryan, the other guy from Dutchess County, the executive, popular yeah. guy, Democrat, for taking a knee to Black Lives Matter. Meantime, he was at the same rally taking a knee to Black Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, there, there's a little bit of that. But, again, he was running the kind of campaign I think you're going to see in 434 other districts around the country, right? You're going to have Democrats talking about abortion, 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 abortion. And the Republicans are going to be talking about big, you know, uh, Biden, inflation, gas, you know, that, that those big three things. And who knows, maybe this 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 um, this break for uh, student loans might be the kind of thing they think they have some traction with. Uh, you know, if it if you're going to have a test case, that wasn't a bad one. Look, he's not the perfect candidate, but he's an OK candidate. He's not like a no, he's probably going to get gonna elected win. to Congress in the yeah. new district. He's yeah, going to win. Gonna he's going to be the Congress. Yeah. But uh, let's look at Zeldin here. It all comes down to the five boroughs. He must get more than 30% of the vote in the five boroughs or mailing it. Hoko will unfortunately be uh, re-elected, first time actually elected governor, because she took over for Cuomo when he resigned over a year ago. He must get 30%. Now, he's been spending a lot of time here. I've been with him like five different times tomorrow. We're going to be at the Brighton Jubilee, which you were always at. Of course. How is he on the stump, by the way? Is he good? Much better now, much more relaxed. At first, you know, because he's a congressman, yeah. he's he's parsing his language. Yeah, he's, yeah. Now he realizes he's got to flow. He, there's a, this is an emotional race, and people are coming out because they don't really know him. This may be the first time they're actually going to hear him. Uh, I think his lieutenant governor candidate, Esposito, helps because she was a former deputy inspector, 70th precinct. She's got that law and order cred. He must get the Asian vote. I mean, that's the one vote that I won against Eric Adams, which was a shocker. He's got to do better with the Latinos. Uh, He's not going to get the white hipster vote. Not at all. White hipsters, millennials, they're very progressive, very much to the left. They don't even like Coco, but they'll they'll vote for her holding their nose. Uh, Black vote. I don't know if they're going well, to come out. Where he's going to be in southern Brooklyn, Brighton, is not a bad place. That's been Perfect. a Republican trending place. It's got, it's got expat Russians that are now starting to vote in greater numbers. But you know what they're going to say to him, and let's see if he's prepared. We are prepared to accept 10,000 uh, Ukrainians as immigrants. Now, he's railing against the immigrants coming from south of the border. You know why the Russians and the Ukrainians are saying this is good, because they think in the future, once they qualify for citizenship, they'll register as Republicans, because so many Republicans uh, are now Russians and Ukrainians. So it's all about tribal. Uh, Democrats view the people coming from Mexico and uh, Central America as potential Democrats if they qualify for citizenship. Uh, and so it's sort of like, wait, those people will join us. Those people will join uh, our tribe. And so he's going to have to answer that question. Well, also, like the, the other thing that went on in the 80s and 90s in that community, Niana, New York Association for New Americans, heavy involved in in integrating the Russian community there. Very interesting, you know, when, when Russians kept saying, I want I want religious freedom, I want religious freedom. No, they wanted economic freedom. They yes. just wanted to go shopping. But, but yeah, but I, I think where he's going is not the problem. And I think you're right, the magic number of 30% in New York City. My problem is... That you're you want you've got the crime vote, you're going to do fine with that vote. Okay, I get it. 
I need, I need a couple of other tricks out of this pony to, 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 to if, if, if he actually was going to win. I think, though, the turnout for the gubernatorial race may not uh, be what Hochul thinks it's going to be uh, because she's not from downstate here. Yeah, but midterms, midterms, midterms are going to bring a lot of people out. We've been – I think you see the difference. You know, I, I know what you're saying, that usually this is kind of early in the year for people to be talking about it, even though we are. Nowadays, 24-7 news, people in politics all the time – I think people are jazzed up. I think I think it's going to be pretty a pretty heavy turnout. But I'm not sure a light turnout helps him. Democrats are more motivated now. Well, you know, she had to get uh, my uh, husband-in-law, former governor David Patterson, on the good foot yesterday. They planted a tree uh, at the governor's mansion in honor of David Patterson. I got to tell you, because my son Anthony was there, my oldest son, who uh, uh, David Patterson is uh, father. I mean, the uh, stepfather of right. And my son described it as a tree where the bark was falling off. It was leaning to the left. It was poorly planted in. And it had a lantern fly on it. And the state trooper said to my son, Anthony, he was taking a picture of it. You know, you got to take a picture and then you got to squish it. And he goes, no, I'm a conscientious objector. I'm joining uh, Curtis and Nancy on this. I'm not going to kill a lantern fly. And I want to credit David Patterson for coming to his rescue and telling the state trooper, hey, Anthony is not killing that lanternfly. Uh, a decrepit tree leaning to the left? Is that what you oh, said God. this tree was? This to, well, are, you know, were that, they saying something about Patterson here? Yeah, his recent <laughs> comments uh, that seem to be supportive of Governor Abbott yeah. uh, in his battles with Eric Adams yeah. and with Vogel. Anyway, uh, this is left versus right. If you missed any of Anthony Weiner's uh, first hour, which he goes solo in the middle, you got to go to WABCRadio.com and also... You'll learn a lot because he has a special podcast. It's called Keys to the City, in which he basically resurrects all of those principles that he campaigned on that had he uh, been able to run, he would have been the mayor. He would have easily beat uh, Comrade Bill de Blasio, who is now accepting a fellowship at Harvard. Good. Good. Good Take him back to Cambridge. It's like, you know, when you catch a baseball of the opposition (laughs) team, throw it back. (laughs) Throw him back to Cambridge. (laughs) Throw him back to Boston where he belongs. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Oh, laid back music. We're chilling, chilling music, right? Dire Straits. God, I hate this song. How can you possibly? I do. I really do. But this leads us perfectly into uh, what you did for many, many years town hall meetings. Uh, you were always available. You didn't mind scrapping at times uh, with people who may have disagreed with you. You gave them an opportunity to show up in an auditorium or a public gathering, and uh, their word got heard. Uh, the other day, 18,000 fans for Billy Joel in Madison Square Garden for his monthly concert. All of them, no social distancing. You know, it's over. COVID-19 restrictions over in Madison Square Garden. But... The MTA money-taking agency would not allow for a public meeting on congestion pricing. 
it had to be in Zoom conference. And even with that, close to 400 people, many of them in a rage. Only three minutes permitted, and actually it's a lot easier to cut you off on Zoom than it would be if you're in assembly. It did not go over well. I mean, it, it, just the juxtaposition of you got 18,000 people in Madison Square Garden, and then you say you're afraid to have people gather together to have a spirited discussion on something that's going to impact the economy and their lives. Also, what is the MTA saying all day and all night? Come back to work, get back on the trains, get yeah. back on the buses. Yeah. And then you have a chance to invite everyone to an event, and they don't do it. They say, let's do it over Zoom. Ugh, it was ridiculous. But now, you see, this is an Achilles heel for Hochul. She's not knowledgeable about the MTA. Cuomo, as much as I disliked him, he was. Pataki, he made himself knowledgeable about the MTAs, especially subways and buses. He's not a city boy. But Hochul is so distant from the MTA, which she's in charge of. She's leave, she's delegating it to the chairman and the others. If uh, Zeldin can actually come up and be very forceful about what he'll do to get the buses and uh, subways back up, servicing the people without all the homeless, the emotionally disturbed, the crime, that is going to resonate with women because it's women predominantly who are not taking uh, the public mass transit because of all the problems. And they're number one workers, and they're the number one uh, people needed for restaurants, bars, and nightclubs. Well, the the MTA was created so that politicians didn't have to take accountability for raising fares and for doing you know, doing tough things. And if I was Zeldin, I would be hanging the MTAs, the congestion pricing, all of this around Hochul's neck. I don't understand why she is not more affirmative. You see, she's pursuing a Rose Garden strategy, let's yeah. face it, that – She's like, okay, I'm all right. I'm kind of not really that well-known. I got plenty of money. This other guy doesn't have a bunch of money. He's not running a brilliant campaign. It's a pretty good year for Democrats, et cetera, et cetera. So she's running a rose. This is the one election that she's she really well, – we don't know who she is, and she's not acting like she has any desire that we do know who she is. But I think to do this hearing the way it is, I mean, I if I was Eldon, I would have been outside wherever they were doing this thing. Because reporters weren't happy about this either because they wanted the tumult. Of course. They wanted the tumult. I would have been outside. The rent guideline board meetings. Same thing. They were indoors. But I would have been out there if I was Eldon with my six-point plan on improving the subways and getting people back to work. Something like that. He's not – he doesn't have that bone in his body that he's like, all right, I'm going to try to do – like you ran a good, and I did this too, good guerrilla campaign, yeah. all right? Yeah. Being where the other guy is, being where the cameras were going to be, and having something to say, he doesn't do that last bit very well. But this was a, g- a great opportunity. And the congestion pricing, whatever you think of it, get a big haul, let people scream, say, we're not leaving until, I don't care, we got the haul till 3 a.m. And people can can say what they want. Get I mean, that's what New York... That's what New York policy is. It's Look, messy. You know what helped uh, de Blasio get over the hump to win the Democratic nomination the first time? The promise that Bratton would be his police commissioner, because everyone was scared that de Blasio would be weak on crime. I think Zeldin has to reach across the pond to our friend there in London. Bradford. That's right. Not a bad idea. He loved the subway systems. He loved the buses. The workers loved him. The riders loved him because he had a passion. He could convince him, hey, if I get elected governor, I'll let you run the system. He has, I think, six appointments to the MTA board, pledges to put Sliwa and Wiener on. Yes! 
People who ride the subways. We would, we would, we would break a lot of eggs making those omelets. I've say. met you more times in the subway <laughs> exactly. than in the streets. <laughs> That's true. And That's that would true. be great. Byford, right? Andy Byford, bring him back to run because Cuomo wouldn't let him run it. And you and me on the Slew board. and Wiener. Yeah, for sure. We would all. They would, everyone else would quit. That's right. Up next, it is the audio documentary about our owner-operator and great talk show host, John Katsimatidis. And boy, am I going to be listening very intently. And I'll do my own version tonight from 12 midnight to 6 when I take you to the break of dawn here on WABC.